As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, welcome to Propaganda. It's brought to you with Levi Solicitors, who will do you a 10% discount on your legal fees. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Usual three with you, Dan, Michael and Moscow White. For uh, the first half of Propaganda, which is where we find out what's been said about Leeds United in the wake of the victory against Burnley. Uh, first, we find out what's been said by Leeds fans. Then a couple of days on from the game, um, Tuesday now as we speak, and the dust has settled on it. And I think I enjoyed myself at the weekend. Looking back on it now, it feels like it was a nice positive experience when it didn't necessarily feel like that at the time in the ground, though, did it? I don't know. I think by full time, I was happy enough. Well, Dan James, when I saw that header going, that was kind of my my moment where I went, just exhale. It, it was partly relief. You know, when you narrowly avoid an accident, it was that, I think, at the weekend as well, when you've, you think what a league table could have looked like if Burnley had beaten us and, mm. and the game's in hand and all of a sudden you're thinking, Christ, we are going down here. But as it is, I think we left the ground being like, that's fine. It's all fine now. That probably explained the hug, didn't it? Mm. The uh, the implications of losing to Burnley were too big to contemplate. And uh, yeah, I think suddenly at full time, Pablo Kuroga must have felt good. You'd store that memory, wouldn't you? In part two of the show, we will find out what the Burnley fans thought, which should be a treat. Um, in the meantime, what did our fans think of Burnley? Let's start with that. Loads of people echoing the general sentiment that Burnley are just awful. I think Spadge summed it up quite nicely, actually, saying that Burnley just proven why they weren't good to stay up and also saying that Bielsa's methods may not always work and can fail fairly spectacularly. But we play football and, and it really well at times. And what have Burnley got to fall back on when Plan A fail, fails? Nothing, basically. Do plan A better, but they didn't, did they? Plan A is already quite shit. And it, and it, when it fails, it's bad anyway. And when it succeeds, sorry, it is bad anyway. So what are you going to do? Uh, Finn in the comments said that Sean Dyche at the end looking round with exactly the degree of bafflement and fury you'd expect from a barely sentient scotch egg that someone's picked most of the crumbs off. A substantial meal at that is. Correct. What do we think of Dyche? I'm sort of torn on him. I feel like he's maybe like Warnock used to be. He's my favourite manager. I think we should hear more from him. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, not that. But like, I didn't used to mind Warnock too much a lot of the time. Mm. 
But it's like in the post-match. Well, Jake says exactly that in the comments here. Like his post-match comments always come across as fair, although there is always a little bit of bitterness baked into it. But um, he was pretty decent about us that said that we basically wanted it more and, you know, that we outfought them, et cetera, et cetera. He seems like a decent enough character in the sense that he didn't like overblow the bottle throwing incident, for example. He said, you know, one person's let down what was a, a brilliant, well, quite a few objects thrown, but one person that hit the target. Um, Maybe it's all just one person. Yeah, just, just the one who, yeah, <laughs> emptied the pockets of loads of bottles of coke. Real fast arm action to yeah. get all those things thrown at once. But uh, he seemed quite reasonable in that. And he seems to enjoy the atmosphere in that probably that old school way that, that Deitch does, you imagine. But um, I don't know. Is there is there a bit of Emperor's New Clothes about it? Because he's always talked up, isn't he? But when you see what his team's producing there, because as we were saying, I think on the, on the match ball, you don't have to play like that, do you? You don't have to. We'll get onto it when we talk about what the Burnley fans' reaction. But from listening to a lot of their clips and stuff, they've got to the point now where they've realised that if this doesn't work, they've not got much left and that actually they don't have any good footballers as a result of the way they play and the way they've constructed their team to play in this style. And so when you've, you're have you looking for a bit of magic, you just kind of look around and you go, oh, shit, well, we've, only, we've only got a load of big plodders. Well, Cornet's kind of the uh, the one that runs contrary to that because I thought he was lively when he came on and he looked dangerous, didn't he? He certainly gave us something different to think about in that he could pick it up and, and run at us with it. But he was like one of only one <laughs> who could... Uh, who could sort of threaten us in that way. The Charlie, rest of you, the, Charlie Taylor had a bit of threat, I thought, down the left. Yeah, but it's, it was but it was what I was saying on the match ball, like you knew what you were going to get from Burnley. And in a way, in a way I was pleased about that because it's a known quantity. You're not dealing with mm. like individual talents that could just beat you in a one-on-one sense. It was always going to be sort of t- a tactical grind. Yeah, and once we dealt with Cornet coming on, the only move then was to take off Ward and Port Vidra and Jay Rodriguez. Who? Jay Rodriguez yep. up front. So we just went from Chris Wood with Cornet, which is big man and pace, to putting Cornet out wide and going with two big men, which is how they'd start games normally. So the variation in Deutsch World on Sunday was just about how many big men do I have up front, basically. And that's all they really have and who is going to cross to them. <laughs> Matt's comment, why does every single Burnley player look like their favourite cuisine is roast dinner? <laughs> I mean, I do like roast dinner, but... Can't beat a roast dinner. But, but not you, every day. Not every day, no. Not every day, no. West and Ralph saying it's on the uh, the big strikers asking why um, if Deitch only signs English players why was the Aus- Austrian Barnes left out because oh. he is isn't he he's um, he is he is surprisingly Austrian he's played for the under twenty ones level I think really something. yeah is that true yeah I think he's he's one of these that like many um, historic people who you don't realize are Austrian right um, he's he's one of those well Wayne Hennessy certainly wouldn't know no that's very no, true absolutely correct overall there's some positives that were picked out team performance. Yeah, we were good pretty much all over the park, weren't we? There wasn't a, a bad performance in there, I don't think. We don't talk about Tyler's finishing. It was a good performance yeah. overall. Nobody was perfect. Everybody was, no, was good. That's true. In fact, actually, the one player who probably let us down was Rafinha with that. I didn't realise because it, obviously it was at the far end. I thought the chance he missed was from a much tighter angle than that. Should have just put that in, shouldn't he? Yeah, he should have done. That was really a very easy chance. Uh, similar to you, when I saw the replays, like on Match of the Day and stuff, I thought, oh, he's, he's done a bad there. Mm. But yeah, everyone was great. He was probably he was probably fine with Rafinha, but he was below his usual level, I guess. Although he did hit the bar with a shot from about halfway line, which was uh, who, we did, which we didn't mention. Who won the ball for him? I'm gonna because you're asking the question. <laughs> he, um, I'm gonna say it was Tyler Robbins. If it yeah. wasn't him, it was Mike Whitlow. It was funny because we were playing to we were giving Rafinha Jordan the ball. Mataka. Um, a lot earlier in the first half it seems to be the thing from the start instead of kind of building it slowly down the wings we just bang the ball down for him to uh, run into space and that was good up to a point but he um, 
yeah, his, his finishing radar was as off as anybody. It's weird. You can complain. I mean, Robert should have buried that chance. Rafinha should have scored uh, with the header at the back post. Burpo, when Robert's back heel put him through, and then Alioski did it into the cop, which is reassuring in some ways because you want him to play more like Alioski. So hit the back of the stand a few times. And so there's three big chances that we had on top of the three that we scored. So it, 6-1 would not have flattered us. And uh, and with it being the first time we scored three all season, it's good that we still had the kind of the finishing problems where you, you know, you're annoyed about Roberts not burying that header, but also it didn't matter in the end because this time, whereas earlier in the season it might have cost us, today we scored three. So you don't need to dwell on it too much. It was like the old Bamford days in the championship when you'd be annoyed about him missing if we drew. But if we scored, it was that... Um, was that Reading game where we were three nil up and then he missed another three golden opportunities? Yeah, could have had, like, had a could have had a hat trick. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in right. the end you were okay because we'd won three nil. But when he was doing that in games where it was nil nil, be fuming. Ben does actually draw a parallel between Roberts and Bamford, saying that um, he's become a bit of a, a Bam- championship Bamford is is Roberts and that he's creating chances for others and he's, he is offering a threat and he's in the right places. But at the moment he just keeps missing. So. But yeah, there was quite a bit of praise for Roberts, actually. Gavin and Adrian, a few of them were saying how he actually had a very good game despite having missed some good chances. And people have, hasn't it been sort of the theme of the last six weeks or so? It's probably since about mid-November that after every game, everybody's been like, Roberts was okay today. Mm. He's definitely playing better in January and December than he was in August. And so what you were kind of looking for when he got that three-year contract in summer, he came back in August exactly the same as he was because it had been the summer but now in the months since playing most weeks whether people want him to or not you can actually see he is playing better now as if he might be improving and or the the condemnation of he will never be good enough for anything above conference level (laughs) was maybe overblown and he can be better than he is and will get better and whether he'll ever be good enough for where Leeds want to be because we could you know we've got Joffy bursting through and we could easily buy a new striker in the summer with the whole um, we're aiming for Europe stuff that's a whole other thing he's getting better and he's been playing well the last six weeks especially in a time when a lot of people have let their performances drop yeah, he's I, never I, I really I feel a bit sorry for him now I just, just feel sorry for him because he and now his calf's gone yeah, well, you so know, I won't see him for three months because I realised you know when he picked the ball up I think it was was it when he felt it wasn't when he fell over because I think he had a chance when he sort of skipped inside at the edge of the area so we were attacking the uh, the south stand sorry so it would have been the second half probably just before he went off and he picked it up and just shot wide or over or whatever. At no point did I expect that one to hit the target. No. You just don't do it, which is why I kind of feel sorry for him now. It was like that one when he ran through just after we'd gone 1-0 up, I think, and he shot straight at Wayne Hennessy. Hennessy, I always get I'm getting all the Burnley players. I'm giving them a little more of a um, continental twang than they need. Wayne Hennessy. But I never mind a shot on target. At least he got it on target. And then you never know, he might, the keeper might throw it in like he did with Dan James's. The other problem that Roberts has at the moment is Gelhart as well. Just everyone in the crowd just looking at him on the bench and being like, there he is. But it works there quite, he is. It works quite nicely because you can't really fault what Roberts is doing. And then you've got Gelhart who the hype can either can go one or two ways with a player at, at that age and also the pressure of um, the situation we're in. Do you want to put it all on a 19-year-old kid's shoulders, bringing him on with half an hour to go with huge ovations and applause and excitement is probably perfect for him because he doesn't have the time. He can't be nervous in that situation, whereas if he's getting that 
starting a game is very different to being a, a sub at that age. I'm sure, I mean, we saw when he started again, Spurs, Spurs that he took it all in his stride and he'd probably be fine. And if we have to start him in against West Ham because of uh, Robert's calf, then I'm sure he'll be fine as well. But the option of just being able to bring him in at good moments. You need to manage him in, don't you? Yeah, And he's getting all the, uh, and you can feel, Sorry for Roberts in this because Roberts is having to do that like hour of donkey work and get all the abuse. And then Gelhart can just come on and go, all these Burnley players are really knackered now. So I'm just going to run past them. And we changed, um, we play a little bit differently with Gelhart in the team as well, which I think helps him because we started playing more through balls for him to run in the channel instead of going wide to Rafinha or Harrison, who were then trying to work inside and get a crossover. I mean, the Ailing's cross for Tyler Roberts was absolutely beautiful, but it's Tyler Roberts, not Chris Wood. And if he'd have put that cross in for Gelhart, I don't know if what Gelhart's like in the air, if he's as good as Dan James. But we we really suited Gelhart's game when um, we just go and chase that into the box, stand on it, dribble around until one of them kicks you. Which they will. we score. Because uh, we saw Tarkowski, didn't we? He booted him on the, on the touchline, dragged his leg out back or whatever. He tried to tap tackle him. Um, just on Joffe, a number of people picking him out, obviously, as you'd expect. And um, Slip Digby does uh, agree with what you've said there. It's that the Gelhart sub actually energised the team and the fans just at the right moment. And it's picked out by a number of people as well, saying that he makes a contribution every time he comes on. But yeah, it's it's nice. Almost like holding him back just enough to get him revved up and then sort of let him go. That's one of Tyler Roberts' other great contributions was holding him back against Chelsea when he was about to run into the away end. <laughs> Um, there was a, a, he needed that little those reins on him, but yeah, it's the, it's like the old uh, Alan, when Alan Smith was was bursting through, he was held back in a similar way, and and you got that energy of him bursting into games rather than you know if you watched him because in the first uh, ten minutes against Burnley we were pretty bad. We kept giving them the ball, and you could sense there was a bit of irritation the, the amount of times we were giving the ball away. And having Gelhart on the pitch in that kind of moment, it diffuses the energy. Whereas with half an hour to go and you know what's happening in the match, just throw him into it and nothing then holds back the momentum. I think we saw something different from him in this game as well, and that he was getting quite well stuck into Tarkowski as well, which was nice to see because you don't really expect that from a 19-year-old who's quite small. But he was straight away like shoving his ass into him when the ball was coming forward and he was actually giving him some some physical problems, which probably, if you look at him, he has no real right to, but it, it shows that he's got a bit of that to his he's game got as well. He's got the swagger, hasn't he? He's got the sauce. That's what I think everyone likes about him. He's just got that little bit of uh, je ne sais quoi. Is Tarkowski any good? Burnley fans seem to think not. He, the, he was. I think mm. the, again, I don't think there's any particular isolated clips of it that I put in propaganda section, but um, they seem to think he's basically just wants to leave. And he's, because he's, he's out of contract at the end of this season and he's basically seeing out this season to wait for a better move so and a sell, better contract. Sell him now for 20 minutes, take Newcastle's money and then reinvest half of it in a championship centre half. Well, that was it because he's supposed to be good. He's got a good reputation. He's been in the England squad, I think, hasn't he? He's been yeah, on a K-O, with it. Yeah. So, I like, think he once, he once drove past uh, St. George's Park. He's sat now. He'll get a... Drove him around some roadworks. There's that thing of him, he'll get a big move at some point and this is going to be the summer. But the big move that keeps getting talked about is Newcastle. And they'll just get relegated with him anyway. And you sort of like, he gave the goal to, I mean, Jackie Harrison earned it, but it's uh, Tarkowski's mistake. And then Jackie is a really good trick thrown in as he's running in because he's Tarkowski's chasing after him and he, he hasn't got any way of dealing with Harrison whatsoever. So he must, he can't be that good. 
People seem to want someone called uh, Nathan Collins to play instead of him. Seems to be the call. Neil's son. Probably. Yes. I think it's Nathan with two with uh, two ends at the end. <laughs> Just um, on the sort of momentum and all that sort of thing. I'm not sure what Gavin's saying here is is necessarily a worrisome thing. He says he's picking out our complete inability to sustain the performance of one half into another. Uh, we've been playing bipolar football all season. Obviously, delight we managed to push on and put this one to bed. But you always fear if we go into the break with it being level or a slender lead we'll find a way to absolutely fuck it up in the second half. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think you can't avoid the fact that football does swing both ways, doesn't it? In terms of momentum will change according to half time sometimes comes at the right time for a team, you know, to take like because we were going at Burnley at the end of that first half. So they probably welcomed half time which gave them a chance to reset, tweak the tactics, make the sub. So you've got to remember it's you're never playing against a neutral default thing. It's not just an objective zero, is it? It's always a a changing variable. Your opposition's always got, you know, tactical changes to make and personnel changes to make. So you've got to contend with it. You've got to learn to contend with it. And we did. So we came through the test of that initial first ten minutes, didn't we? I mean there have been like the Brentford game was a it was an obvious one where we looked quite comfortable for that for quite a period of that. And then all of a sudden it just went wrong. And I guess the Spurs game as well, we were we were quite involved in that in the first half and the second half it all just But the difference is we need we need apart. to score. That's that's the only difference. We need to score when we've got control mm-hmm. of the game. And then that changes the momentum of the game from that point onwards. But if you do draw or you've only got a 1-0 lead, then it can sometimes get away from you. And I think that's where that creeping doubt and the nerves have been this season a bit. I mean, I will say that in that period of Burnley looking good at the start of the second half, they essentially only scored because of a shit free kick that mm. shouldn't have been given. Well, it was a decent free kick when it was hit. But I mean, the, the free kick itself shouldn't have been given. And I'm trying to think if there were any other massive chances they created in that spell. Yeah, I'm not sure. There were, there were a, couple well, of, a couple of Chris Wood ones in the first half, weren't there, when Melia made a save and... One that sort of flashed over the bar. Let's move on to the there. let's move on to the ref anyway. On that yeah. point, because Graham and, and Sazi are both picking out how bad the refs are, and I think it was it Tierney, wasn't it on on the weekend? I didn't think he was that bad. And he gets all, plenty of villain nominations. Just they're for... all bad though, aren't they? The problem is, I think it's what mm. they've been told to do as much as anything. Because we saw that some of the English refs who were in the Euros over the summer seemed to ref a lot better when given better parameters to work under. And as we've discussed loads of times in recent weeks, you never quite know if something is a penalty or. Are they falling back on VAR or something to save them as a safety net? Is that a penalty under VAR or is it not? VAR, you can see the the limitations in it as a, in it as a system because they can't go back and check whether that was a free kick, for example. Mm. You know, because Cornet, it looked like to me anyway, that Cornet did the I like, initial, I like did, how you keep calling him Cornet. That's his name. Did, did the initial foul and then Urente might have got involved in some afters as well. But it probably should have gone the other way. Yeah, I mean... It, it, but they can't check it. That's the point I was making. It wasn't the worst decision made this weekend. Um, no. I mean, we saw the, the the penalty not given at Arsenal, which was had more, probably more contact in it than Click's one that was given. That you saw like the red the Mane one that should have been a red card because it was after six seconds. They went, oh, never mind. He's <laughs> he's kind of allowed that one. It was like the, it was like back to the early nineties where you could you could basically do whatever you want in the first few minutes of a game, and they were like, well, well, is it is part of the problem not that the Premier League itself, like everything is a broadcast game now. So if you're abroad, you'll know this, that you can pick any game. Well, if Only if you're if, abroad. If you're in the UK, and yes, et cetera, you might know this as well. But everything is set up as a broadcast game, isn't it? So they could essentially be broadcasting live on any given day from any stadium. They have a full commentary team in place for the Premier League, all the cameras, everything's working, you know, it's full VAR. Whereas it didn't always used to be like that. You kind of had the, there was the TV televised game on a Sunday or whatever, and then you had all your other Saturday games. But what that has enabled, and because they have the generic highlights package now as well, which has to be a maximum of like three minutes, I think, doesn't it? Something Mm. like that. But everything is given equal weighting. So there's this hyper-analysis of absolutely everything 
that's used to sort of fill the gap. Like, you know, you've got, like, it used to be Sky Sports 1 and Sky Sports 2, and then later on Sky Sports 3 evolved, didn't it? But now you've got about 10 Sky Sports channels, one of which is dedicated specifically to the Premier League. So there's always something that needs to be shown somewhere. There's like a dedicated broadcast Premier League channel that they put out around the world as well. So everything has been heightened so much through analysis that everything's getting broken down so much and analysed and criticised. And the mistakes are very much still there, I think, with the refs and the VAR system isn't helping that. Do you think that's a problem like that? The amount of attention that's given to everything? Just get rid of VAR. I preferred just arguing about referees' decisions rather than whether or not there was a second layer of bad decision making being thrown on the top of it. I just, I, I, but they're not going to get rid of VAR. Are I know they, they're not. They? I know so. they're not. But I don't see them. I don't see. So a how, way do they, to, how do they fix it? By having better, <laughs> being better at using it. Like how I don't like to go look at a more obvious one. Like how they could look at that Mane elbow and not go, okay, that's that's a red card. Like that seems such an obvious thing to have got wrong. And I don't understand how someone on the pitch two assistants, a fourth official and people in VAR have looked at it and all come to the conclusion that it was fine. Like it, it, some things are just really baffling that they, that they do and I don't, I don't see how you actually improve that with a system. It's mm. just, you just have to accept that. Well, that Mane one, they said it was it was because it was reckless rather than violent, didn't they? Because if you, if you actually watch what happened, he had his eye on the ball all the time and then smashed his elbow into a man. But so much that people get sent off for is, is reckless rather That's than violent. That's right. Yeah, wasn't even reckless. Not even reckless. Like most most tackles are actually just people overstretching for a ball. But if you kind of get the man's shin or whatever, people go, "Oh well, you know, you've got to, you can't really do that." And I don't see why this that would be any different. But I thought VAR was good in our game. Yeah, we didn't see it. <laughs> didn't see it. Apart from yeah, the, the thing they couldn't rule on. But yeah, it was um, it was kind of nice to. It just always looms though, doesn't it? Like the Dan James on, even though he was he was absolutely nowhere near offside. There's still a little bit of me is kind of always a bit well. Hang on, he was he was definitely in front of the defender. When is he this not it just in. something we need to get used to though? Because we've seen yeah, like you know, we've had, we've had chance of VAR, VAR, you know, before this season. We not just need to kind of become acclimatized to it. I suppose so. Shit though, innit? it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on from that, uh, one of the really important issues that was uh, we overlooked it actually on the match ball, the box logo on our sleeve. I don't notice this. Did you yeah. did you see how much that? Do you think that influenced the outcome? <laughs> did we get those three points because of? change to the sleeve I prefer it because there's less of a blue epaulette on you I thought you were going to talk about Mateus Click then but no the box logo (sighs) not interested in midfield better in it yes good Uh, let's talk about Mateus Click (laughs) (laughs) and midfield actually loads of people did pick out the midfield and a a much better um, performance from the midfield in general Dallas Foreshaw and Click and no Calvin which is is encouraging now we have to remember it's only Burnley but still encouraging don't, don't talk down to people we'll have we'll have Brentford like backlash on this I do what I want <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was good though and um, I think Click was uh, he seemed to be central to all of our creative stuff as well which sometimes it seems like his job has been to just give the ball away this season like when, yeah. whenever we break in it seems to go a bit wrong for him whereas this time he was you know he was kind of he, everything was based around him more or less yeah, Mosse, it, you, summed up, you, you summed up well on the match ball you were saying like you expect him every sort of fifth pass or whatever these days to give it away it seems to be his kind I of job him, it's true yeah it seems to be his, his job these days is to still, do some good stuff but then give it away it was the same on Sunday because uh, the examples were that one where Roberts fell over for the chance because Click had played it just behind him and there was one where he sometimes he loves to just absolutely shoot at a teammate instead of just passing to them but then watching the way he rolled it across for Stuart Dallas for the goal couldn't have been any better and the work um, the little uh, the strength the little trick to send Joffy away for Dan James's goal and just um, 
And I think, yeah, my using him as an example, because the, what I was trying to get across is um, what has been with Click all season and with a lot of the players all season is those passes. We talk about the, the distribution being off and the passing accuracy being down. It's only by a bit. And it's, it's just, he'll, he'll miss by about six inches. And, it, and it's like that Tyler Roberts one where it's just in front of him and behind him is the, it's about a foot. And he just gets it that little bit wrong. And it keeps happening in midfield. It wasn't that bad against um, Burnley. And in fact, I don't mean to pick on it whatsoever. It's just that's what has been wrong. But so much against Burnley was uh, so much better, even with that in the game. And I always say mistakes are absolutely fine. So I don't mind it too much. If a, if a pass is just a little bit off, that happens. That's normal. Everybody's moving really quickly. Everybody's running at 30 miles an hour. Oh, I don't know if that's really fast or not. Is that fast for a human? <laughs> 30 miles an hour? Yeah. I, I can't run at 30 miles an hour. I'm, I'm fairly confident. A professional footballer. I think that's fast. This is we played it. We played a board game at our house um, last night. It's about where you've got to guess like the range of something. And the question was, how many strides do you think Usain Bolt takes on average when he does his hundred meters? Uh, Usain Bolt twenty seven point three three miles per hour. So yes. Oh right. Well, so the fastest human on the planet. Fastest human on the planet. Fastest to have ever lived. Yes. I mean, yeah, it's not impossible. How, how many strides? How many strides do you reckon Usain Bolt takes on his on his hundred meters? Then two hundred. Oh God, um, ninety. Forty, it's forty. Forty. His stride is about just shy of two and a half meters. Yeah, long legs. Yeah, insane, it. isn't it? Back to the important stuff. But the midfield was great, so Jim, we don't need to sign anybody. Jim O <laughs> actually does pick something out to return to the theme we were on about before. The ch- the actual significance of the changes, both Joffy and James came on the pitch at the right time and took the crowd with them. Whereas I think one of the criticisms of Bielsa this season has been like people have been a little bit baffled by some of the subs, probably due to enforced circumstances. But it felt like they Get were McKinstry on. They were uh, they were right and they worked. Is that is this, this the time. first time we've made changes in a game and Stuart Dallas hasn't had to move position? Possibly. I, I feel mean, like every change we ever make involves it's like no Stuart now to left back no now to it's right. like, it's then, like a game of football we'll, in twister isn't it? Then we'll make another change. We're right now you're into centre mid now you're up to right back. I think that hints at one of the big things that was behind everything that being good on Sunday was Dallas didn't have to move. The back four had a right back and a left mm. back, two centre halves. The midfield had three midfielders and then what's in attack? A couple of wingers and a striker. So everything was actually as it was. And the changes that we made, although Roberts was um, injury enforced, and but you like to think Joffrey might come on anyway just to change it up. But then the Harrison one for James was a, a choice. And so, and the players who came on, Joffrey has now played himself into being a first team player. He's, he's not really just a, you know, a youth team prospect anymore. And Daniel James is a twenty-five million pound signing, so it's not shifting Stuart Dallas into central defence and bringing on Stuart McKinstry for his debut as a centre forward because we've got no other choices. It was all building on a starting eleven that's not our first team, but getting closer um, and played well, and then being able to make good choices to build upon that. And I think. When we talk about the midfield playing well, I wonder how much of that is helped by the fact that we had full backs and then the uh, Cock and Lorente partnership that we've just never seen. It yeah. was really good. That's been picked out in the comments actually as well. I think I think Ailing was key to it as well because you forget the amount of times that he just picks up the ball and runs with it as well in a way that it's weird because you'd expect more like Shackleton when he plays there because he's a, kind of a converting midfielder. You expect him to do that more, but 
it seems like Ailing's just got this real instinct that he'll just get it and he'll see if he sees any space in front of him, just charges He's, into it. Like Llorente, they're both quite brave with the ball. Llorente to the point of recklessness at, at times as well. But um, Cock and Llorente picked out by Rick and Adrian as well for their um, for their performances. Um, Did Llorente shoot from about 70 yards with a free kick at one stage? Uh, I, I think he, in this game yes I think he did there was definitely a point at which he put the ball down well inside our own half and just twatted it and I could only think it was a I shot I think he was trying to play a ball over the top and it just went wrong there was no one anywhere near it though I'd have to see it back again but there was a bit where everyone sort of looked and went I don't remember that he has his moments okay yeah. um, the just, other player we've not uh, bigged up is Junior Furpo well I want to come on to him in a second actually but before we do just returning to Dan James Slip Digby says fair play to James for leaping like a little scum salmon and putting, putting himself in harm's way to score an injury time and then we'll come on to He got kicked in the throat and overcame it it's, it's, Why is his left arm so straight when he's celebrating? He runs off celebrating his left arm's weirdly like it's at an odd angle if you look Maybe at it kicked a nerve It was disturbing me to look at it I don't know why he was. it's like he was doing a he was doing a sort of train spotting Needed a little tourniquet around him. I don't know. He was but surely he just picked himself up with his left arm, so he might have been a bit tired. Possibly, yeah. But I was going to say, just to finish on the, the yin and the yang as we wrap this up, miserable ding. I like dings um, quickly becoming my favourite miserablest, uh, who's popping up in the comments every week. Suggests Furpo wasn't that good. Dallas wasn't that good. I think both were pretty much faultless, weren't they, throughout that performance? That certainly Furpo looked great. I'd say they were both very good. I mean, the, the caveat is that it's burnt. It's burnt. Well, yeah. It says Forshaw was that good. Good of you, Ding. Uh, he was. And this is still a relegation battle. Yeah, it is. But, you know, we've given ourselves a real chance now, haven't we? And um, yeah, Jeff... The season doesn't finish until May and we don't get 30 points for beating Burnley. So, obviously, it's a yeah. relegation battle. But Jeff um, does ask, ask the question, how many more wins will it take to stay up? I reckon we could probably do it with about four, you know. Wait, what was your what was your tally at the start of the season? You said, you, you, said no, yeah, no, you, you said eight, didn't you? I think overall we settled on about eight. Yeah, we it? don't need many. Um, and we've still got to play Newcastle but soon. Newcastle at home. We've got Norwich at home. We've got Villa at home. We've got Southampton at home. Mm. Um, I think just beating the ones below us. Watford away. Yeah, we've actually got a pretty good record against the teams below us. Mm. And that's the what, bottom half of the table. That's the thing that's going to keep us up is the record against the teams below us because um, we are clearly better than them. As Wolves prove as well, you don't have to score loads of goals to uh, to do well in this division. Just got to make sure you stop shipping them in at the other end. Did so you... just to say, uh, Fulham, so I did it when we talked about it earlier in the season, I did it on how many games teams went down with. Fulham and West Brom went down last season with five wins each. Sheffield United won seven and then Burnley stayed up with 10 and then Brighton with their regulation nine, nine every yeah. season. So my point was that the relegation thing is five seven so if you win six you're getting in the the mix the season before it was five eight nine so eight and nine wins i think nine do nine does it i mean look at four as a bare minimum would take us to 31 points plus you factor in some draws would probably see you squeak it over the line but if you get your regulation brighton nine then that's going to take you to 34 points if you add on another 15 Huddersfield when they went down one three plus uh so 34 doesn't points. add anything to the debate just <laughs> <laughs> Plus 34 points plus some draws would should comfortably do it this season given how low down the teams in the bottom half are. Three wins. Imagine we need three games. Um, so um, how many games are left then? For, so let's work off an average of let's say nine, 19. What's that times three? That's, uh, what is that? Is that 56? 59 times? 57, isn't it? I feel like this live maths doesn't necessarily make for a good podcast. Is that 57 points available? Let's just let's just win some more games. We're basically mm. halfway through the season, and if the second half is exactly the same as this extremely disappointing first half, we're going to be absolutely fine, aren't we? Now I was just going to point out that you're looking at the likes of 
Norwich, Newcastle, whoever, Burnley, Watford, whoever they are, all having to pick Everton. up. Yeah, having to mm-hmm. pick up sort of, you know, 20 to 25 points out of an available 57, which is a huge return. You're asking them to go on a sensational run to, to turn it around. So Yeah, they can't do it. Look at Watford's form. Mm, we've given we've given ourselves a chance, is what we should say, and that's the, that's the positive thing. And Ken Bates, stole my seat, is the one who is finishing on this note saying, be positive. Said after the Arsenal match that those four games, including post-Liverpool, weren't important for this season. Matches like this against a direct rival this season are what mattered. We played with nearly all our players in their preferred position and it showed. It did feel like a bit of a cheat almost, didn't it, having been able to do that? We've been so used to having putting to... Putting a first team out. Yeah, we've been so used to that, having to play everyone in the wrong positions and then when you have to bring someone off the bench, you're like, oh, uh, I don't know, just send on... McKinstry, like no, I don't want to keep picking on McKinstry, <laughs> but he's, he's someone who, at the start of the season, he's actually pretty good. But he's, he's not someone you would have expected or wanted really to be bringing off Leo the bench. Is Helder. Let's like, pick on him. Let's pick on him instead. But like Dan James, a good sub. Yeah. Gelhart, a good sub. Plays who you want to bring on, who you can go. Okay, I can see how they're going to change the game. Whereas it feels like for ages the subs have just been, well, I guess him because we've got no one else, and Stuart Dallas can sort it out. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Part two of Propaganda, and it's all about finding out what Burnley fans have been saying about our game at Ellen Road on Sunday. Oh, Michael, let's start with the teardrop tattoo, man. He's not there. The guy from Turfcast. Yeah, he seems to have not been on... Turfcast for a while. Is he, I was trying to find him. Is he otherwise indisposed? Try your own conclusions uh-huh. where he's ended up. Just explain who he was for the benefit of anybody who's not seen or heard this before. He was a very angry man who hated Leeds and he had tattoos over, on his face little. Including, including little teardrops which is that is that having murdered someone in prison or murdered someone to get into prison? It's something to do with murders on prison. If anyway. you do know what the prison code is <laughs> about tattoos and I, murder then I just... don't think any of us have got a huge wealth of experience of prison tattoos. I, I have been in prison though. Have you? I have been in prison. My father-in-law was a prison governor and he gave us a yeah. tour of his prison. And let me tell you, it's the only time I ever want to be in prison. It looks scary. Oh. Moscow, any experiences? No. 
no, okay, never mind. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's quite a normal lad on now, which is a bit of a letdown. But they didn't do a watch along either. Um, but they did do a sixty second review, so you know, here it is. Just have the full thing. Is this the highlights or the full thing? It's full. only a minute, isn't it? Yep. Just listen to it. Okay, 60-second review, Leeds United 3, Burnley 1. It's another damning defeat in this season that's been nothing but misery uh, so far. One win all season, I think it's one win in 20. Uh, It's just not good enough, and today it was another performance that wasn't good enough. There was, what, 15, 20 minutes at the start of the second half when, you know, we played some really good stuff, and that's obviously when we we got the equaliser. And there was a little period at the start of the first half as well, five, maybe ten minutes at a push, where we were probably the better side, but I think that was just because Leeds hadn't got into their stride. Once they got into their stride... They were the much better side throughout the majority of the game, apart from the periods I've just mentioned. And let's remember, Calvin Phillips wasn't playing, and neither was Patrick Bamford. Could you imagine if Calvin Phillips was in the middle of that park and the joy that he'd be having? We just got beat against a lead side that their two main players were missing, and they're meant to be down there with us. Absolute joke of a performance, that, apart from the, the times that I've mentioned. Um, Tarky not good enough, Dwight disinterested, JBG on the coach, did he even get off it. Um, the only players that can have their head held high for me are Maxwell Corner. And Charlie Taylor. And he was six. I was trying to dig out the um, the countdown theme song. I've got it somewhere <laughs> on my laptop from the old, uh, from the DJ days, but I couldn't find it in time, which is ironic, I think. I was distracted as well, if anybody spied on the video. We just put John Lukic's calendar up in the studio. Well, not John Luke. We haven't made a John Lukic calendar. <laughs> we should. With the, uh, the 1991-92 themed calendar that Michael had just put on the wall and then shoved a plant in front of John Lukic's face. And it was distracting me out the corner of my eye so instead of listening to that um, Burnley person I decided to sort that out so anybody watching on YouTube can now see John Lukic's beautiful face I do know uh, uh, who is JBG Johnny B. Jones John, John Bon Jovi John Bon Jovi uh, no, noted Burnley resident Johan Berg Goodmanson that's who was ah, left on the coach right. yeah I was curious to know who he was talking about yeah McNeil yeah. And, and Taki they're kind of their, their beautiful look Homegrown lads, aren't they, those two? Taki's an otter. Mm, he is. I was just going to say, for anybody who picks us up about John Bon Jovi not being JBG, he actually is. His real name is Giovi, Bon, bon Giovi with a G, so mm. up yours, we're right. Turfcast, they were doing a poll on their Twitter account, which I think is quite interesting, asking, do you think, A, do you think we will go down? I've, I've got the final results, actually. Oh, okay. It was, it, was still, it was still live, was that poll, when I, when I put it on the prep sheet. Uh, 83.1% of them think they will go down. How many votes were cast during that? A pathetic 409. That's most of the residents of Burnley, isn't it? Et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, and then also, Deitch in or Deitch out, and 82.9 still want Deitch in. So oh. basically, they know they're going down, they're sticking with Deitch. Well, that's, yeah, that's the thing. There's a little bit of a flaw maybe in the way that they've structured this piece of market research because is that Deitch in or Deitch out dependent on, is that before going down, do they think it's Deitch in to save them, even though they don't think they're savable, or... Deitch in to get them back up again for the future after relegation. I'm not really clear on, I don't know now, I'm no clear about what Burnley fans want. I think they just... So Turfcast need to sort out how they're uh, assembling their market research questionnaires because this just isn't good enough. They want to have their cake and eat it, don't they? I think they're just happy to go down with Deitch in charge and keep him there. I think is the gist of it. They don't like changing. Was, Burnley, was do that they? not one of the accusations? Changing divisions would be enough. One of the accusations that was levelled at Leeds United was you'll stick with Bielsa and you'll go down and... I think many of us probably would have happily gone down with Bielsa, but we're not, are we? I suppose to Deitch's credit, it is an indication of a good job that he's done at Burnley, that Burnley fans like him enough that think, oh, even if this season doesn't work out longer term, he's the right man. And I don't know if it's maybe... How do you think he feels about that? 
it might also be driven by fear of what their new own owners um, might do to them with the opportunity of putting somebody else in the job as well. So that, that would be an all good words. Again. All good words, Moscow. But how do you... haven't asked any of these questions, <laughs> so I don't know the answers. Right. How do you think he feels about what about being liked by well, about the... The, the results of yeah. this poll? Sean Burnley fans think the team is inevitably going to be relegated, but they are still backing you to the hilt. Deitch in, not Deitch out. What do you What do you think? It's immensely heartening. <laughs> Um, that I mean so much to the people of Burnley who I've given so much to. <laughs> you don't want you want them to go down, don't you? So you don't have to do the silly. The, the Deitch thing has been around. I'm sure it was like the first year we did the podcast. More or less, Deitch turned up, but it was a. Was, has he been at Burnley that long? He's been he's around at Watford for a he's bit. Been, wasn't he's he? been around on the podcast for a very, very long mm. time. I think I was I was ahead of a mere slip of a lad when uh, this... I was ahead of everyone on noticing Deitch's <laughs> voice. I know it's been picked up widely now, but I was I was a fan of his right from the off. <laughs> Before he uh, became cool, before he went commercial. Yeah, be- before he was Premier League, certainly. Yeah. Um, on to the next lot of clips then. These are from Talk Burnley FC. What do you have for us, Michael? Mm, there's not a huge amount of Burnley stuff online, it must be said. It's um, Well, we were said before, not going to have internet, are they up there? Exactly. But, I mean, this lad, he's he's in Bath, actually, which is a the very... Ba- the Bath or a Bath? A, that would have been... Tim Bath. Worse. <laughs> But which is a very far cry from Burnley, isn't Tin it? Tin bath by his mother's washboard. He's at Bath University. Right. He's, he's sat in his halls at this. You can see at one point he eats a KFC and goes off and washes his face <laughs> in the background, which is a bit, I know something a bit grim about watching a man wash like chicken fat off his face. Um, but do, you, do you do that often? Um, he missed out the curly whirly as well. Curly whirly he, in a KFC. I think he is doing student life pretty yeah. well. He orders the KFC live on the stream as well. He goes, I'm going to have to get some food. I think it's when we've got a goal up. He's like, I'm going to have to get some food. Okay. And then he chomps his way through a curly whirly for about, because I kind of, I try and skip these through a bit because I'll watch them at like double speed because they're like two hours. And you, I mean, you, a curly whirly is a, it's quite a task, isn't it? Yeah, as you're skipping across, because YouTube skips five seconds at a time and you just get like different little clips of him uh, in, enjoying a curly whirly as you're trying to find him it'll be interesting talking. to see how the because when we process this I run like a mouth declicker over it so when we you know do mouth noises or whatever it gets rid of those I think there's and only will, a bit will, of will residual that, will that get picked up when you do that there's only residual curly whirly eating I think on any of these clips I mean I don't want to keep harking back to That's not a when speech, we were it's not a speech friendly snack is it that? no and harking back to when we were young and comparing generations and saying, you know, I mean, we're on YouTube, so we can't really criticise it, but how has society declined to such a point that watching someone eat a curly-whirly is like how people spend a Saturday afternoon? Put the horse racing on. There's got to be something else on television. Ski Sunday or something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, There'll be a film. It'll be um, Planet of the Apes or something. Mm. What's that one with the stop-mation? Wallace and Gromit? No, that's... um, Land of the Dinosaurs. No, the like classic 1950s like oh, Greek War yeah, thing. Yeah, um, the guy, Jason and the Argonauts. Jason and the Argonauts yeah. should be on, you know, something that'll kill a few hours. I mean, at least... Just watching someone eating a KFC on YouTube. Where's the leftover chocolates that you brought in, Moscow? Uh, you at least, oh, these took... All right, you had, you had the good grace to bring in all your leftover bounties and Snickers from your... Was it your heroes or whatever? It was the celebrations. Yeah, yeah, so there we are. That's, I'll have... Um, there's the rapper... Charlie Creswell on my of, case, if I get that wrong. Out of focus in front of Moscow's face. That was a highlight of Christmas. Charlie Creswell and Joffy Gellhart rating mm. chocolates. You wouldn't mess with Charlie Creswell, would you? We were watching that at the end of... I think we just finished recording the pod, hadn't we? As we, as we saw it. Like yeah. The extreme confidence, even in selecting chocolates, that Creswell had basically wouldn't let, <laughs> wouldn't let Gellhart choose anything. He was like, 
I should be there. And he was like, no, you're not having that yeah. there. No. The, the, the quintessential line in that from Creswell was, you can't do that because we have to agree. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, unless I and agree. And in a minute we'll agree that I was right. Yep. Yeah. That kind of thing. I'm just going to say, at least we had the good grace to eat those off camera, the bounties and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then but the rappers here, the evidence is here. Yeah, I always feel bad about like, you know, if I'm having a, a drink from a can or something while we're doing this, I try to duck out because nobody wants to watch us eat and drink. People don't want to watch us anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's do the clips. This is, yeah, he's not from Burnley. There is the confusing thing. The last lad you could, although I'm sure the last bloke is considered to be royalty in Burnley with that, that pure speaking voice mm. of his. It did um, sound quite posh. He did, ranks, he did, he? he did sound quite posh for Burnley. But this lad is from Preston, weirdly, and he's in Bath watching Burnley on a stream, which is all a bit weird. Life choices. But anyway, you come here for misery, don't you? So, and at last we've scored some goals. So let's, de- let's deliver. So that, let's shall listen. We? So this is Jackie's. Fucking terrible defending by Torquay, and here come Leeds. Here come Leeds. Shot saved by Hennessy. Shot goal Leeds. 1-0 Leeds. Can you fucking predict it? I tell you, it's fucking shit. Shit passing. Shit passing. And what does Torquay do? Shit fucking passing. He wants to leave. He wants to fucking leave. I'll pack his fucking bags for him. Send him off with a curly whirly. So that's good. (laughs) He's angry on this one. He gets... I've not left any of it in because you don't want to hear him being happy, but he gets quite giddy after Corne comes on. He's he loves Corne, so he's excited to see him on. Then obviously he scores, and he's getting giddy for a bit. When he when we bring Dan James on, he says that we're rattled because we're, we're making right. changes and stuff. And he's quite he's quite giddy. Oh, rattled <laughs> making subs in a football match. <laughs> I know. Ab- absolutely. Who ever heard of such a rattled? Thing? Crazy. But then Dallas scores. I, uh, normally with these clips, I sort of take out silences, but I've left it in here because it's. It makes it all the more heartbreaking. Oh, again, we do do a silent shortener on this. You'll have to, you'll have to undo have to, it. On have to undo bit. the silent shortening. Okay, fine. Here we go. As Leeds come forward now, shot. It's in. I hate football. I fucking hate football. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I appreciate the silences now. It was getting a bit awkward for me there. I was feeling like, please, somebody speak. Do you know what, though? You, you can connect with that as well to a degree, yeah. can't you? Where you just watch something and you go, yeah, just, just staring into the void. That's 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 what I get, get gripped by, like that existential dread whenever leads start losing. It's mm. awful. Right, next one. Dan James. And goal. Leads 3 1 up. Yep, it's over. <laughs> we are going down. Well, shit. Leeds have played well, taking the chances very, very well. And we have done Nafal. Nafal, that's an enjoyably retro. Uh, I don't know why he's phrase. trying not to swear. He swears loads on the stream. I think he's been told he shouldn't swear, but he, he's completely forgotten in the uh, in all the fog of doing this. He's drinking um, some ciders that he doesn't like during this as well. <laughs> he, he opens one, he's like, Oh, that's not that's not nice either. Painting such a glamorous picture of student life with curly whirlies and KFC and cider you don't like. Ordering, ordering KFC is fancy. You got Deliveroo to bring it. I've just uh, I've pulled this up on my laptop and so I am having a look at him now. And yeah, I'm just I'm just watching somebody eat a KFC. <laughs> it's strange. He won't stop talking as well because he's obviously he's got a stream to maintain. To concentrate, can't do two things at once. KFC and a live stream. Right yeah, next, I'll just, I'll just have him here for oh, a while. Next. This is a little a little clip of him talking about their strikers at the end. Obviously, I've, I've kind of left this in because there's Chris Wood. He used to play for us. Vidra very nearly signed. Barnes was the player that GFH wouldn't let us sign because of football manager football manager stats yeah. uh, and whatever. 
So this is him kind of running through their strikers and demolishing each one of them. Strikers, you know, oh, let me go Corne, the only fucking good player at our club, really. I fucking love him. I love him to bits. And if we go down, he deserves to leave because I don't want to put him through any more of this shit. Fucking our strikers, every single one of them are shit. Can't score for shit. First off, Chris Wood, like, fucking hell. Yes, I guess he gets a header on sometimes, but fucking hell. Three goals this season. You're taking the piss, right? Our leading striker, three goals this season. We need a new striker. No sugarcoating it. Vidra, I think he's useless. I think he's a bag of shit. I think when he comes on, he doesn't do a lot. I think a lot of Burnley fans glorify him and say, oh, he hasn't had a lot of game time. I think he's shit. I think he's shit when he does have game time. Jay Rodriguez, I think he was great when he was younger. And maybe we shouldn't have signed him back because he hasn't done a lot since. Uh, Ashley Barnes, why is he still at the club? You know, I guess he's injured and that, but... Yeah, no, he should be gone and all. Not happy, is he? Not a lot to cling to there, is there? We probably did dodge a bullet with old uh, Vidra looking at it. Since he went there, instead of us, uh, 75 games. Well, if you want all competitions, 90 games, 11 goals. Played 90 games for them? Mm, It is all um, bitty, like 13. He's been there four seasons, like 13, 19, 28, 15 in, in the league. But... That's not many. Maybe he would have scored more for us because he would have played. He'd have had to play every week. Well, he had that until he was injured. Uh, that one season at Derby, didn't he? Where he scored twenty-two, and that's when everybody was like, "Oh, bet he's good. We'd better sign him." But then he's a, he's a Czech international, isn't he? Mm. Not a bad footballer. I think he was. I think some of those goals were against us, though, when we had old Lawrence de Bock in the team. So yeah, they should be struck, struck from, from the record. From the record. Yeah, they, fair point. Chris they, they Defoe Wood has done 164 games and 53 goals, so it's a little under one in three. Which, which is it's not bad for Burnley. Yeah. In fairness, for a team down the bottom of the league, that's pretty good. And this season, with him being down on three, he's hit double figures every year: 11, 13, 14, 12. Not. Um, yeah, and he's hit double figures in the, the league every year as well, so that's not bad going for them. And then, who's this? This must be Ashley Barnes. 233-46. Rubbish. <laughs> is that one in, one in six, is that something? Jay Rodriguez, 90 games, 18 goals. I almost felt most sorry for Jay Rodriguez in his because he didn't really slag him off. He, went, he, was, he was good when he was younger. But. We are his first spell, 128 games, 41 goals. What I'm taking from that clip is there's just there's no light at the end of the tunnel there. It's bleak, isn't it? The whole thing feels bleak. Whereas with us, at least we've always clung on to some hope this season, even when we're getting pumped by Man City and that. And to go back to the, the poll we were saying about most of the, like 83% more or less, think they're both going down and should keep Deitch. I think you'd have had similar 83% think we should keep Bielsa, but then I think more most people would have still thought we could stay up. I think it was more other people saying we were going down. Like... Mm. Talk sport type people were kind of going, well, they, they've lost 7 0. Of course, they're going down. Whereas we were like, well, yeah, but there's, there are factors to consider here. And we've got injuries and the style of play, it doesn't particularly lend itself to these games. But, you know, you could we could have played a different way and probably lost 3 0 there and it would have been not a problem. So it's, it's like old Terry Flewers the other week was saying he wanted more Burnleys in the league because there's no jeopardy playing t- leads because we're easy to beat. It's like, but, but we're not easy but to beat because occasionally we. Get, we because we got more points than Burnley. So that shows we win more than them, surely. That's the thing we've always had this season. And I know it harks, and you can say, well, it's last season, so it doesn't count, but the same team finished ninth. And I know you can have that big drop-off, but it does mean that that's your potential. If you get back to your potential as a team, that's how good Leeds United should be. Whereas Burnley, you don't... And you can add the factors as well, that the players that have not been playing. So Bamford's been out, Phillips has been injured. We've had 
injuries all over the when it's not consistent. So that's the reason why we're not as good. Whereas Burnley, it seems like the reason they're not as good as they have been is because Sean Dyche has tried to make them pass and it's just completely like... You mentioned, didn't he? Like, he's changed the, the style a little bit. Yeah, and you can see it with the... Well, you saw it with um, Jackie's goal that he's talking about, that he's asking Tchaikovsky instead of just lumping it. He's trying to play a ball down the side of the fullback. So the fullback can lump it. And how many times we won the ball. Well, yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's like the golden age of um, Neil Warnock when he had uh, Tom Lees and Jason Pierce would be passing the ball to each other, just looking for when was the right time to bang it forward. <laughs> and that would be his justification for saying, well, people say I'm a long ball team, but look how many passes the uh, the defenders do. And there's a, a bit of that playing it wide and then banging it forward but how many times we took the ball off them because as they were trying to play out of their own half they weren't if they just have gone well Chris Woods up there let's just give him the ball then they probably would have done better so yeah identity crisis Moscow well yeah and I don't know if Sean Dyche just getting ideas above his station like maybe he thought I don't know what he said to uh, Tchaikovsky in pre-season send uh, showed him some videos of uh, you know prime Berezi <laughs> perhaps we oh, could perhaps, Tom, Tom Lee's maybe what was the what would the conversation have been With, <laughs> do we have to do uh, yeah uh, uh, this is what people watch and tune in for uh, what, so it's Sean Dyche talking yes. to, to how would he advise Tchaikovsky yeah. the otter um, about about playing uh, out from the back with his feet like Socrates um, what would he um, I, don't, I don't know what he would have said this is there's too much pressure on me here um I've, got, I've dug out these clips of AC Milan on VHS. Look how this lad plays here. He just fucking runs with it, tacky. Just get it, pick it up, set off. And if you if you if you look long, just fucking stop and pass it to Paolo Maldini or something like that. Or, or Charlie Taylor. Costa Curtis or Ben Me or whoever's fucking there. I'm not sure. Marcel Desai will help it. Well done. Thank you. Oh, you got good, 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 and it can I ask you a question. What's your favourite mega mix? Is it Dirty Dancing or Five or Grease? Which one? Grease. Why? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's just got all the hits on it. Yeah, it's got the hits, yeah. Right, you, Moscow. Five. Five, yeah. Five bad boys with the powder rock. Yeah, you've yeah, got yeah. in your mind because you've got to get into five. What's your win? Should That's we hear a, a frustration mega mix now then that you've put ah. together, Michael? Yeah, this is this is in chronological order so you can kind of hear the, the descent into despair as the game goes on. Although he actually descent starts with... chicken. He kind of yeah, <laughs> he does start fairly down as well in truth, but ah. um, yeah, it's, it's not the hugely positive mixture <laughs> of he's, comments. He's troughing KFC, and this is food for our soul, isn't it? Oh, what the fuck is that? What are you play? Oh, it's pointless. Pointless. We win a second ball. Shoot! 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 You bastards! You fucking wankers! Someone have a shot, you pricks! Aaron Lennon, fucking do something! Oh shit! Leeds come away with the ball. Wood knocks it down. Who the fuck is making... Do something, you tw- Both defenders have been piss poor. The only good player on our team right now is Hennessy, keeping us fucking in this. The whole team is shit. What, what do we do? What do we do? What are our players? We have no football players. How many fucking times? How many fucking times? Okay, we're going to chip it in. And that, that was fucking dreadful. Whatever that was. What did we do there? Don't know, but it was shit. And we're giving away a free kick. What was the fucking point? Vidra coming on with Chris Wood. Well done, Chris. Did really well. Didn't. There was a joke, obviously. We're wank. We're really shit. We're shit. We have one good player. Holy fucking shit. We are dog wank. We have just given the fuck up. We've just given up. We've given up. We have completely 
given up on this game, on this season. We're going down. We are going down. Nice use of Dogwank. I felt they varied it up a little bit. Mm. So yeah. the, the act wasn't getting stale. We didn't used to do this when we played Huddersfield, did we? But there it is. <laughs> but yeah, not a lot to cling to there. No. I don't think play that to the lads in the dressing room, really. Really get them going. <laughs> your dog wank uh, and you're going down. There seem to be 160 societies at Bath University that he could join mm. and do something else on a Sunday afternoon. Any, any dog wanking ones? Because, <laughs> you know... He, Huddersfield College do that, etc. Yeah. I feel sad for him sitting in halls eating delivery chicken on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I don't feel sorry for him. It sounds like it, sounds, it does sound all right. You, like, you don't have kids, Moscow. So <laughs> to me and Dan, we're like, I'd be all right, wouldn't it? Just watch football in peace. Curly Welly and some chicken. Go on. Watching Burnley lose and getting um, mm. really frustrated about it. There's got to be like some activities you could do instead. Let's, um, let's leave him to his despair because we've got a lot to get through now then um, and we'll do this clip that Holly sent to us. Holly Ann, thank you. Uh, loads of people will have seen this uh, on Twitter across the uh, the weekend but it, it bears repeating just this one, doesn't it? You'll, you'll recognise it. Goal! El goal para Leeds United El goal para Leeds United El goal we don't have enough um, songs to go west, do we, anymore? <laughs> yeah, it was all the old it was, stand up, shoes off, all yeah, that, wasn't it? A lot of popularity uh, back in the day. Should be a, a shout out as well. That was uh, Stuart Dallas's goal when he went um, running into the South Stand and Benny Boy 1212. Um, Is he a, a roadie, mic technician? No, but he has, uh, yeah, I just checked his. Um, his profile picture is now him going in for the hug with Dallas. And I think every tweet, when I looked earlier, like every second tweet is just him uh, pointing out that it's him who was hooking <laughs> Dallas and Furpo. And uh, like, it's me, that's me. Absolute fair play to him. Yeah, great. Uh, it's uh, it, it's a, a life highlight. What's he say? And uh, if he's given them COVID, we know exactly who to blame. <laughs> I'm sure it will all have been fine. Yeah, this is the one. Me, Dallas, Furpo and Joffy shared a moment I'll never forget. Right, uh, speaking of Johnny, Johnny United, so let's go into the uh, the wider world of propaganda, shall we? Yeah, I mean, Scum, it was, it's a bit inconsiderate of him, really, to play on the night before we do this, because, you know, trying to find the clips and stuff. Should should be in bed. Well, what are they doing? Started, they have the decency to lose, lose on a weekend. Funny, though, wasn't it? Start, they've started doing Twitter spaces as Johnny now, hasn't they? Johnny mm -hmm. United. Which I have to say... Who is the, he's the Scum fan from Bradford who um, goes on a massive rant, and then we found him particularly funny, because... He just, he'd go, fucking, thanks guys, don't forget to like and subscribe, see you later. He just signed off like that, didn't he? That's why we we kind of uh, were drawn to him. But he's become a bit of an internet personality by uh, wanting Ollie out. So he got Ollie out, so presumably he's happy now. Yeah, I mean, Twitter spaces are the worst thing, it's fair to say. It's loads of people all trying to talk at once, all with completely different volume levels. There's really no structure to it whatsoever. There's no end to them either. Like, I know you might not be able to tell, but we kind of, we do vaguely plan this and have like do we <laughs> there's a sheet whether we like we say we'll do this then do this then do this yeah and we'll kind of put a time limit on it i think this just went on forever i think it's i joined the, it uh, all the calm rational discussion that you've come to associate <laughs> with twitter.com now in audio form yeah and i don't get i don't even know when this ended because it was it's the part the endless party i like, joined it's, it's it like an hour in i think because it's, it's 5 a.m everyone's shit faced the house is a mess just go home everybody johnny was actually one of the saying the people on this to be perfectly honest because they just invite anyone to speak 
But obviously he wanted Ollie out and having campaigned for it for ages, he's now saying they should go back to Ollie's formation to try and repair what's gone wrong. <laughs> These players are not this bad. No, they're not this they're bad. They're great and I, look, I, I, don't, I don't know why the I don't know why the players so so Honestly, Johnny. Johnny, like, Johnny. I, I, I honestly feel like Ragnar says, you know what, I, I, I need to swallow my own pride here and I'm going to have to go back to a fight. Like, just go back to the four-two-three-one. At least the guys know it. At least they know it. I'll tell you right, man. The formation Just go back to what they know. Right. Put the put the players in the correct position, and we'll get to. We would. We would. Genuinely. Four-two-three-one. If he listen, if he Johnny, it's personal. It's personal issues. Right. If he sticks with this formation, oh, we're going to be in Europa League. I'm telling you, and that's of course. Yeah. That little bit of entitlement there. Oh, I imagine that being forced into the Europa League, which is admittedly shit, but... Didn't they win it the other year? No, they got to the final. Right, they, did, they, they did win it once. All oh, right, Yeah. Relatively. So it's not like it's so far beneath them that they haven't been in it like it, a couple it, of years it ago. It is to them, isn't it? it well, is. yeah, that's I hope, they end up the in the, I hope they end up in the UEFA Conference League. I hope that's what he was talking about. I'm it, not looking for sympathy, but I listened to about an hour of that. <laughs> Imagine that. It's a great turnaround, isn't it? Of, you know, if Ollie's formation was right and the players are fine, what was it about Ollie Selskar that wasn't actually working? What what changes if Ralph Rangnick is playing Ollie's formation? Did they not finish sec- second with Selskar last season? Yeah. Mm, interesting. Who's next? Webby and O'Neill, great. Yes, Webby and O'Neill were, um, they're essentially saying how bad all their players are, which is which is quite funny. <laughs> to including be fair, Phil Jones was back in the team, wasn't he? So Phil he Jones was all right. He was one of the better ones, apparently. This is um, Sancho is the one bearing the brunt of this. Sancho, he's now had enough games, and I'm telling you what I've seen tonight with that Sancho. There's no speed. There's no energy. Doesn't go past the players. His passing was poor. He's had enough chances. One for Zaka for me. For the player who used to be an ex-winger, he couldn't cross the road, man, the football. He seems to have gone. His legs seem to have gone. His thinking seems to have gone. Your Newcastle, your Norwich, Burnley, poor sides, and we are not doing well. It's getting worse, Webby. What's the answer, Tom? The answer is, I can't see an answer, except this Ranjik has got to carry on. He can't change it in January. And then he has got to blitz this squad. Really? How much more money did they need to throw at it? Yeah, how much was Sancho? 80-odd million. And they tried to sign him for like two years, basically. He was the... He, he was, was the, the answer, wasn't he? He was the answer. And they needed a centre-back. They got Varane. He was going to sort it out. They, they needed... They needed. They want Dan James, don't they? They need Dan James They back. needed someone to change the culture of the club, didn't they? To make it a winning mentality. And Solskjaer was on about fucking custard or sauces or whatever it was when Ronaldo signed. Oh, no one was having... No one was having puddings when Ronaldo was in the building. It's like, well... All for fucking nothing because you need to tear it all up again and start again. Sancho has started ten games. Wow! And it's, and it's maybe, like, I know we've, like there was a lot of pressure on Firpo. Didn't exactly get a honeymoon period, and Dan James is still under pressure to prove himself. But neither of them cost eighty-five million quid, and we're not just writing them off. He's saying, you know, Firpo's got to start doing better. And also, Firpo came from Barcelona's reserves, essentially, didn't he? Not yeah. he not been a regular starter. We were kind of buying him on the basis of form from a while ago. Sancho came from being one of the best wingers in the world and then 10 games in, they're like, nice shit. He's and 21 I- as well. <laughs> like, I think there's there's probably... He's had enough he's- chances. He's had enough chances. Get him sold. And and also, <laughs> Wan-Bissaka was not... His leg, normally you say his legs have gone or he's out of form. His legs are gone and his thinking's gone. He's basically... <laughs> his he, head's gone. He's got a functioning torso and the rest of him, gone. 
scrap heap for the for all of it. <laughs> Empty head. So that's good, isn't it? It's uh, great. Yeah. The uh their demise because it was very awkward when they played Burnley and um you were tweeting when you were about yeah, it. Feel, feeling feel dirty. dirty watching that and especially when they just won. It was I, shit I, in that game. I wasn't though. celebrating Man United winning, I was celebrating Burnley losing. Yeah, it definitely it helped, but there was no joy to be taken from that game whatsoever after a while. Um, especially watching everybody filming the pest when he's celebrating his goals. Whereas this, this is this is more like it. Yeah, I've, I've got no, no particular fondness for Wolverhampton Wanderers, but get in the Wolves. It is funny though, like when um, Ronaldo stat, oh, stat, pads, stat padding against um, Burnley or whatever, because it just perpetuates the bullshit and the myth and the cult of personality. It keeps it all going that little bit longer. And I'm all for that. Because he's costing them a load of money. Mm. I mean, he really, they paid about fifteen million for him. But he wasn't a huge transfer fee, was he? But the amount they actually pay him week in week out to have seemingly made their team worse. And he clearly hates it. Just beautiful. He hates it, doesn't he? He, he will hate it because he's not getting any glory for it. Yeah, he, he, he can't. You can't have much glory in a team that's you know struggling to get in the Europa League. Come back because everybody was tearfully telling him one one last Premier League with the Reds. <laughs> right, um, Reds FTV Arsenal. The live watch along was a bit disappointing. I don't know if they've got rid of some of the the worst offenders from the live the live watch alongs because they realise that it just makes them look daft. Troops TV. I went to. He's the guy who did a spin off from Arsenal fan TV, and he's just he's just the worst. Is this he, a bit like when Robbie left? Take that. He's less listenable than a Twitter space with Johnny, and it's just it's just awful to his live streams. Who was it? One of them was being interviewed over the weekend and was him. saying that he said he that he helped make Arsenal relevant. <laughs> To yeah. be fair to him, the question was put to him. Like, some, whoever was talking to him was like, you made Arsenal relevant. But he relevant. didn't say, well, obviously. He, yeah, he, he, was just, he was absolutely fine with that assessment. The historic club of Herbert Chapman and... Yeah. And that when he goes to... Um, <laughs> the clock end. When he goes to America, he gets loads of respect because because he says he gets invited to what sounded like a lot of like really just awful events <laughs> for free. Whereas in England, nobody gives him any of that Arsenal. I don't know what he actually wants from Arsenal to having made them relevant they have a lot of statues outside mm. the Emirates Stadium so maybe a statue yeah it's insane isn't it the whole thing is absolutely insane but yeah the, the one little nugget of, of proper, found a nugget of sense no insanity oh. from, from Arsenal fan TV bear in mind this is after they almost drew a game against Man City um, <laughs> but they're keeping the feet firmly on they played They played fairly well they, it was a bit of a dodgy I mean they've been on a great run recently got themselves decision. In, into the Champions League spots Man City are running away with it evidently this season but yeah, yeah. So it's going. You know, it has turned around for a bit, and they are keeping their feet well and truly on the ground. Good. After the Everton game, I said it was two very poor teams. Today, I've seen one very, very good team and one world-class team, mm. and the world-class team lost. Mm. World-class. Interesting. Did you see Ben White at full time? No. Um, this will only work on video, unfortunately, but. He went to shake hands with the officials. And if you hold your right hand out to me as if we're shaking hands, you'll have to do it the other side of the microphone. He went, <laughs> smacked, slapped, slapped his hand, sort of. It was like a handshake. It was maybe not a slap because it was from distance, but he kind of like ended the handshake by wanging the uh, official's arm up in the air as if he kind of slapped his hand upwards in anger. I'm like, you can't be doing that we, to a we'd, referee. We'd have ended up on it. I don't know, we always get swivel-eyed lunacy um, involved when we talk about stuff like this but you get the sense that if one of our players had done that and it had been caught on camera we'd probably end up on an FA charge or even if it hadn't been caught on camera if the referee had said he slapped me it's still stinging yeah 
Oh, I mean, it's maybe. I mean, I was expecting you to say that he uh, pulled his hand away. You know, like when you tend to shake hands with the kids and then like do it. Like, like um, that, yeah. It was maybe. You know, it's it's not the worst thing in the world. And I think probably credit to whoever the official was that just went like. All right, Marty. I think he's trying to be a hard man. Is Ben White at the yeah, moment? It I don't work know. At all. I don't know if someone's told him to toughen up because he's been doing a bit of this recently. Trying to look, he did it with Rafinha, didn't he? And, and then he's, he's showing. Yeah. He keeps posting it on like Instagram, doesn't he? Like yeah. um, showing photos of him staring at people, which just looks strange. It's the Aaron Ramsdale thing as well, where he's boasting about having picked up seventeen quid from all the coins being thrown at him at Elland Road on the the Fozzy podcast. It's also a bit too chummy, isn't it? And I can't, um, I can't take Ramsdale seriously. Anymore. I know I was nice about him when he was going crazy at, at Leicester, but um, now I've realised that that's just his act. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind him. He seems all right to me. I don't. I know, I know you threw you threw several pounds at him, so from the uh, from the Upper West Stand. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering where the rest. You, of, you make paper planes out of your fifties, don't you? If you only picked up seventeen quid, I'm wondering whether the rest of it went <laughs> Yorkshire in it. Um, right on to Everton, Rafa. They're struggling. They're in a relegation battle. What are they going to do about it? Should we find out? And then what we have to do is to be sure that the, the players here, they work as hard as they used to work. But we have to be better on the ball and we have to be better without the ball. Hecky. Whip ball, out ball. There's elite level whip, whip ball, out ball this week because Rangnick was at it as well. I, was, I couldn't find a clip of it. But um, yeah, he was he was at it as well. So I think it's just a thing that they talk about on coaching courses now. And so every manager comes with it like balanced in the top of their head. They're like going, whip ball, out ball, whip ball, out ball, whip ball, out ball. Whereas Hecky, not saying it at all anymore. I think he's um, he's had tip offs. I bet he, he'll know he'll know Leeds fans. He'll have spies. Hecky's will be, uh, be saying, "Don't don't do it anymore." They're laughing at you. Hecky's on four wins in a row. It's mad, isn't it? Should we he's get him back? A, he's having a bit of a like a, a Wayne Rooney burst of adequacy. It won't last. Um, we, can get, we can get him back. <laughs> um, Scum can get uh, Moyes back to try and sort their problems out. There is the potential there, though, because if um, I need to look at the Championship table to see where. Uh, Sheffield United are in it but if Pecky can do really well with them for the rest of the season but not take them up you will have teams like so where are they they're um, they're miles off where they're are they they're 13th right thank you I don't know why this um, this league table was hiding them so if they still finish mid-table but Hecky does really well it could just tempt a Burnley maybe even an Everton in a flap <laughs> to just go well, you know, I mean, he started well at Hibs. Benitez didn't work out. That was a high-profile appointment. Ancelotti yeah. didn't really work we need out. A, we need a coach. Yeah. We need a, Somebody to come out with the good young players we've got. Although, if they do win... They've Basically got a lot. the exact mistake we made when we brought him in. <laughs> Blackpool are directly above them in the table. But Blackpool have played 26, but Sheffield United have got four games in hand on them. They've got games in hand on everybody above them, just about all the way up to like Huddersfield, who are in the bottom playoff spot at the minute. They've played 26 with 40 points. Sheffield United have played 22 with 32 points. So if they win the games in hand, they could put themselves in contention, but still. I will confess, I've not paid a lot of attention to the championship because we're not in it anymore. Mm. But Blackburn up to second, mm. old uh, Tony Mowbray coming. I'd love him back into the It's all gone all right since, since young Ian left, doesn't it? Wow, bless him. Um, I enjoyed uh, young Jan. To, mm. say, uh, probably he's back in training. I'm following his Instagram stories. The one of him sitting on a a weights bench at Thorpe Arch that he'd put the uh, um, Project Adama Traore. (laughs) (laughs) Did he put that? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. I I do feel like I've watched, I've probably watched more minutes of him doing exercise than I have done exercise. Because he put put loads in over summer as well, didn't he? He was was doing loads of clips of him lifting weights. We've got a 92 mile walk, charity walk to train for. That starts now. Yeah. Project Adama Traore. There you go. Come on, get on it. Um, 
Right. Train onto, along with Paveda. Onto niche grievances. Gary McSheffrey, you really liked him, didn't you, Moscow, back no, in the I day? No, I absolutely despised Gary McSheffrey. A future Leeds manager, anyway. Added to I mean, Steve Morrison. And who else? Uh, who else? There's some other... Uh, Wayne Rooney, probably. Wayne Rooney. Is Michael Brown in management still? He's not there no, anymore, is he? No, he's stinking up uh, TV mm. coverage. But yeah, McSheffrey came on loan in our promotion season. You kind of When we went through that season... Uh, bit by bit on the extra ball and you remembered that we actually brought in everyone talks about the 100 players that we had on loan after relegation I think about 40 of them were just in that season with um, you know Sanchez Watt was there wasn't he and we had um, Shane Shane Lowry Lowry nearly screwed the whole thing up Um, but Gary McSheffrey also he was a striker ish winger ish he liked to think of himself as a hybrid ooh I'm an inside forward look Mm, at me and he um, he scored that one goal for us that was an attempted cross that got deflected and went in. And anyway, after we went up, loan ended, and then he did this interview, and I went back and found the quote. Um, he's relevant again because he's now manager of Doncaster. They had first dabs on me to stay there. Michael Doyle played 55 games for them last year, and I think the first two signings they should have made in the summer were me and Doyler. But Simon Grayson and his staff didn't want me. It's as simple as that. I haven't spoken to Grayson since I left, which I find a bit disappointing on a man-to-man basis. You expect better man management, really. A bit more respect. That's all in the past now, and there are no sour grapes. Of course not, Gary. Although they didn't shake hands at the, uh, the when the, we played Coventry. What kind of man management do you expect from somebody who isn't your manager anymore? <laughs> the loan ended. You went away. What did you want? And that was basically, I mean, at the time, um, fascinated to find out what he did actually want. So we got... Uh, we had a contact in Coventry who who raided um, some of the bins and found his diary. This will be old news to anybody who read the square ball in 2011 when we published some of this, but some of the extracts revealed why he felt uh, so aggrieved that his former manager wasn't uh, getting in touch. It was the, the Monday morning when he just got off the phone to the council because he wasn't happy. Said hello to a bin man this morning, never got so much as a text message from him. <laughs> <laughs> to see how I was doing later. Terrible man management on his part. So I went and kicked the neighbour's wheelie bins over. Then the next day, uh, <laughs> Tuesday, did some community work today. It's always nice to get into the local schools and remember how privileged the local children are to meet me. I made sure their teacher knew what would happen if I didn't get thank you letters from each and every child in the class. Fair's fair, though. It takes Doyle a long time to grade them all. So that was all, you know, definitely Gary McSheffrey's words, definitely from his secret diary definitely not made up because I just didn't like him and I definitely didn't do two further episodes of that because <laughs> the grudge went on for a long time. And still hasn't gone. Well, now here he is and he's still, I think that, you know, is maybe a long preamble, but when you listen to these clips of him now having taken over at Doncaster Rovers, they'll maybe give you the insight into his character that you need to prepare yourself for what he has to say. I've told them to embrace the pressure of being being a footballer, you know, that's expected to to win more games than they are at the minute, and that's really what it is. It's, it's probably it's not changing their technical ability because, as I say, a lot of them are technically almost better than me. But um, it's changing the mindset with it and, and trying to get them confident again. Pure David Brent, that in it. Pure Brent. There's, you can hear a little bit of laughter in it. It's from. It's not from him. It's from a journalist who kind of goes, oh, and, and the, as in, I think, looking to see if he's doing a bit of a face as in like, but, because that's a joke, but no. No. He's like, no, I, I have 
I have trained with them. It was good because you, you could hear him almost do the mental calculation on the hoof, couldn't you? Going, well, a lot of them are better than, almost better than me. Just couldn't, I could not bring himself to admit it, could he? To go back to his thing about us not signing him as well, like he, he didn't play, did he? He came off no, the bench. He was, and he was awful. And he's done in the years <laughs> here since. Here we go, here we go. <laughs> in the years since, he did an interview, like only in the last couple of seasons, about looking back over his career and saying what went wrong at Leeds. He said he should never have gone there, should have stayed at Coventry, should have, Cov, as he called it. He said one of the reasons why he didn't play well was he was out of the team at Coventry in the Championship and a move to League One he wasn't used to playing League One football. He says it was years since I'd been on loan at Wrexham. Or wasn't somewhere. he not technically loved better than everyone though? But he, well, that's it. He was too good for the, uh, the level we were playing at. But then he wasn't even playing in the Championship. So I don't know how his justification was. I was too used to, t- to Championship football. This is what I blame. Which my, I wasn't playing my poor performance on this podcast. This is what I blame it. Yeah, it was. I'm I mean, too good been on, for this. You've yeah. been on proper radio, exactly. But, but you're dragging me down, you losers. But you lost your job on proper radio. And then you came here. To networking, here. not to... So, <laughs> so you can't then hang around and say, oh, I'm too used to being on proper radio, so I can't get back into the swing yeah, of the podcast. Yeah, but I didn't get fired when... for someone else. I got, I got fired because everything was getting networked. Is it or is it not true that Ben Fry once got a job over you? I'm not prepared to comment at this time. <laughs> okay. I was too good for that job. Okay. That's what it was. That, and I feel like that... Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> not happy now. Yeah, go on. Anyway. Yeah, I, I found another clip from the same press conference. Oh, no, it's a different one, actually. Is this? It's, I think this is after his... First game as caretaker because he's now been made proper manager, but he was he was caretaker. But he's asked, but that was beneath him. Yeah, well, quite. But he was asked about um, style of play, and he clearly has not thought about this, nor has any ideas, and he's trying his best to answer this. <laughs> we likely to see something radically different from what Richie was doing. Are you keen to put your own stamp on things? Yeah, um, not so much personnel. Uh, because we, we we've got fit, we've got what we've got in terms of fit players, but um, I definitely think there's players that can be playing in in more effective positions, and so we will make a couple of tweaks. Uh, we won't give too much away. So um, yeah, there'll be some there'll be some changes in in the in the tactics and shape of the team. <laughs> positions, yeah, the players, I enjoyed that, you and can, also the yeah. you're just hearing bullshitting, can't the you? The way we're gonna. Do we, stuff like the way we're going to like pass it. Yeah, uh, probably look to make some in, improvements and changes there. Like, like what? What are you thinking, Gary? I'm not going to get. I'm not going to. What I'm going to do is give, give all the tactics away. No, no just give us a little insight. The training ground. Just give us an insight into Be- one, one change you might make. Uh, better passing. Why? To, to, so we don't lose the balls. Yeah. And when we get nearer the goal, more um, shooting into it. He's me actually. <laughs> 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 but, he's, but he's doing that as an actual job. He's like, and yeah, we're just going to yeah, just be. Do some different tactics and stuff. There's a great article. I think I might, I may have mentioned it on a previous episode, but I've been sent it a few times, and it's. Um, I think it, it might have been in the Guardian, but off the top of my head, can't remember. I will. I will try and dig it out. But it's entitled um, "Everybody's Absolutely Just Winging It," <laughs> and it's so true. I mean, I don't get the feeling Bielsa is. I don't think Guardiola is. I don't even think compared to like is Hackingbottom too too harsh. No, I, I think even Hackingbottom is very professional, probably compared to McSheffrey. Because McSheffrey, I don't, I don't think he's even done his badges. Listening to that, he doesn't even know any lingo. He there just was goes, no whip ball without ball, was there? He doesn't. He doesn't know, even know any of the terms. He's yeah, like because you fall back the, on the cliches, don't the you? Ta- yeah. the, the tactics. Yeah, we're, we're gonna. You could just say, yeah, we'll work on shape. Maybe just get a little bit more defensive mm. organisation. At least talk about pressing yeah. or something. Mm. And then when we're out of possession, uh, being a little bit more organised, because mm. I can do it. This is me doing it. I'm, I'm an idiot, and I can do it. 
And then when we're going forward, look looks to be a little bit more expansive. Channels. Um, so it's yeah, about channels. Use the space better. Overla- overloads. Yeah, play playing more playing more effective areas, you know, mm. uh, in more threatening areas. Look to press at the right moments. And he uh, uh, out the, without the ball. He's taken over from another um Leeds nemesis, Richie Wellens, after a draw and three defeats for Doncaster. And he's come in and he's lost to Mansfield, lost to Oxford, beaten Shrewsbury, one nil at home. Lost 3-0 to Sunderland, then lost 4-3 to Morecambe is the most recent game. So his record at the moment is 1-1, lost 4. It's like a horrible reminder of League One, isn't it, essentially? Gary McSheffrey managing Doncaster. It's all just it's all just too much. Taking over from Richie Wellens as well. <laughs> who, it was his uh, volley at Oldham, wasn't it? Was it? I can't even remember. Yeah, yeah, I remember playing at Blackpool for a while. He probably played in that game when Rohobka played. I have no idea. And some was, reason I the, They are absolutely bang bottom of League One as well by two points from Crew. Just needs like James that, uh, James, Cop- James Coppinger to be announced as his assistant or something, doesn't it? Crew had that uh, criminologist in charge when they came to play us at the start of the season. I don't know if he's still there, but everyone was like, "Oh, exciting new young coach and um, doing terrible." Yeah, job. no, he's still there. Um, Artel, who uh, Are Doncaster really that low down? Yep, that pleases me. I don't know why. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I know exactly why. It's because of the playoffs. Yeah. That is exactly the reason. That was a bad day out, wasn't it? Mm. They did ruin that somewhat. Mm. Could have you, been fun otherwise. You know, we've spoken loads of times about my uh, like my dad's proclivity for leaving mm. the game early. And we, we had an interesting chat about this, actually. And he was just saying, a lot of it is, I think, falling out of love with the game. And I, I get totally where he's coming from in terms of like the disparity between us and the top clubs. But also like the cheating and how annoying VAR is and how bad the refs are, all that sort of stuff. And I think there's just a gradual hating of football a lot of it will stem from days like when we played Doncaster in the playoff final, which was his birthday. Can, you know, it's one of the few times you get to Wembley in your lifetime and it's on your birthday and you lose to Doncaster. Mm. Well, you get it, uh, don't you? A couple of highlights from Doncaster's squad. Um, in his third, uh, second season with them, sorry, is uh, John Bostock. Now, hell. now 29 years old. He's played 14 games for them this season and uh, up front with six appearances and no goals is good old Omar Bogle. Good old Bogle. Do you want a, a little tour is of his... Is Graham Kavanagh in midfield? <laughs> tour of his career. Hinkley, Solihull Moors, Grimsby, Wigan, Cardiff, Peterborough, Birmingham, Portsmouth, Cardiff, Den Haag, Charlton, Doncaster. That's a career, isn't it? Yeah, when when did we know sign him? Oh, all the time. <laughs> right. Uh, um, do we miss League One a little bit? No, let, let's move it on because we've gone really long on this show. So we've got one more clip to play before um, before we wrap it up. And it's Stevie Nickel, favourite of this uh, of this podcast. And, you know, it was his birthday, wasn't it? 60 years old, Steve, although he could be 100. Yeah, I think it was, uh, while I was off, there was a, a tribute paid to old uh, Stevie's uh, birthday, but they've since, um, um, I think this is more of a tribute to his professionalism or maybe his, um, his how robust he actually <laughs> is. Who would think that a diet of... Um, it was crisps. Crisps and yeah. more crisps would, would give you the constitution that could cope with... Because um, that was his pre-match meal was also... Uh, under discussion all the, the dietary aspects of Steve Nichols seem to be fascinating the good producers of ESPN and so this is another insight yeah. into the kind of uh, there's, there's logic though when you hear it there's, there's logic because you know what goes really well with crisps is the question I would pose before we play this clip Steve has got the answer so I went to my local Right. Oh, this is a, yeah. this a public house. Had a few libations. Ah, right. Good decision. Yes. Yeah. Probably double figures. Okay. Oh, right. great. Yes. Even better decision. Go to the game. <laughs> yeah. I'm sat on the bench. And after 20 minutes, it's 3 0. 
Right, not she- to Sheffield not Wednesday. To Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> right. In the next minute, David Plate goes, David going to warm up. I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Anyway, I went on. Get in at half time, 5 0. Wow. We actually lost the game 7 2. So we actually drew the second half 2 2. Oh, that's a nice oh. nice positive spin. And actually, I was all right. I said I did all right in the game as well. Oh, there you go. I couldn't believe it. I was sat, I was sat in my chair after the game and I'm thinking, how did I do that? <laughs> Good old Steve. Like a Sunday league player. I'd love to have the comment. I mean, he's talking about a Premier League football match. I can't actually, I'm trying to locate which game it was for Sheffield Wednesday in the Premier League that, um, that this was as a 5 2 defeat to Everton. He, he might have misremembered. He may be misremembered because well. he was pissed out of his <laughs> absolute brain. But um, just to have the confidence of him to have played after double figures of pints in the Premier League, lose 7 2 or 5 2 or however many it was, and then sit in his chair at the end of the night, probably banging down more crisps than is humanly <laughs> possible, than enough crisps to make a seagull blanch and thinking, Oh, I've put in a good day's work today. Good, good, solid performance from me. It was they lost. I think it must be this game. They lost seven two to Blackburn in nineteen ninety seven. But he was wrong about when the goals were scored because he came on on thirty two minutes. Right. Um, but it was actually two one at one stage because Benito Carboni scored after eight minutes. I mean, you talk about the states that football clubs find themselves in. Imagine having to make a change after half an hour because you're losing the game that badly and the only player you can bring on is Steve Nichols, about five years at minimum past his best, who's been in the pub. Well, it makes more sense if you know who he came on for. It was Andy Booth, <laughs> who was never a Premier League footballer, was he? He just went, Jesus Christ, what have we got here? Right, well, let's wrap up propaganda there then. It's been a, been a fun one this week because we won. <laughs> it's always a bit easier, isn't it? Especially with scum losing and all that. So, um, we will do the uh, the main weekly show. Look out for that one in your uh, relevant feed, be it YouTube or the audio feed in your podcast app. We'll return with more propaganda after West Ham and then more propaganda after West Ham and then more propaganda after West Ham and then et cetera, et cetera. Mind you, no replays this time. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.